Last week, you met Kalina Silverman, founder of Big Talk, which includes Big Talk cards containing questions that cut through small talk and take conversations to deeper levels, designed to ask anybody, anytime, in virtually any situation. Today, in this special bonus Big Talk episode, Kalina let us pick random cards and turn the questions on her. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. In helping to facilitate Big Talk, I created this tiny deck of Big Talk question cards. Each question is designed to be universal, so it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, what you look like. Anyone could answer it. Open-ended, so it's not just a yes or no question response. And it would elicit a unique personal story. But you could ask anyone in a room anywhere these questions. This week, Duck. There are low-flying planes ahead, a Fulbright ferry hopping around, and the perfect day in Singapore. Join us for this special opportunity to ask the founder of Big Talk her very own questions. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. Exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so the question is. Have you ever had any near-death experiences on your ex- on my exchange? <laughs> Luckily, Singapore is considered one of the safest countries in the world. <laughs> there was a time where I was on the, I think, 42nd floor of a high-rise, as you know, Singapore is known for its high-rises and fancy buildings. And there were these planes zooming past really loudly. It was the loudest I've ever heard a plane. And I, I thought there was a plane about to crash in my building. I freaked out. I called my mom, who was in America. She couldn't do anything about it. Um, and then I called my friend who lived in Singapore. And she started laughing at me because she said they were practicing for the Singapore National Day Parade, which is something they do every year. And they put on this big production and have all these fancy planes flying around. And I just felt so silly because I thought I was about to be in a near-death experience. And it was just, they were practicing for a very big, uh, colorful Singapore parade. Next question is, what are the first things you notice when meeting someone on my exchange? This was interesting because I think when you go to a new place to live, you have a lot of preconceived notions and stereotypes about a place. I mean, everything from when you're just reading a Lonely Planet guide or Googling. But I actually deliberately, before going to Singapore, did not read anything about what Singapore's like from those tourist or Pinterest perspectives. And I really didn't even know what Singapore looked like. It was kind of ridiculous, but I just navigated every experience day by day and met people and just noticed how open they were. I was able to make a lot of friendships that way by not really judging anything ahead of time um, because everyone in Singapore is so diverse and so different. I normally just notice people's smiles and if they have kind eyes. Like when I first walked into the collab and you all just smiled and leapt out of your seats, I was like, wow, this is such a kind group. I'm excited. We're the nicest people. 
<laughs> I could believe that. <laughs> What is a common misconception that people may have about you? And this is on my exchange. Maybe that I like to make big talk all the time. <laughs> people think, oh, so you're against small talk, and that's not. I'm not against small talk at all. Actually, since starting big talk, I've really learned how to make small talk about big talk. That's the thing I do the most now. So just letting people know, oh, like meeting me, you're not gonna have to get into a deep conversation. I like pizza and. <laughs> And really, you know, basic things. I'm very basic at times. So, <laughs> what gives you goosebumps on your exchange? There are certain moments where I was just in awe of how different dots connected, like how I would meet one person randomly at an event. And then she asked me to cat sit her cat Confucius, and so I went to her home and cat sat Confucius, and then saw the art on her wall and said, "Oh, you do art?" And she said, "Yeah, I'm part of this artist collective." And then I ended up joining the artist collective, and then through that was able to participate in my first art auction and sell a piece to a,、um, a couple from China. It's like you just never know what's going to happen, as, and as long as you keep your head in the game and keep doing things, things will arise. So that gives me goosebumps. Just How one opportunity leads to another, and it's always the little things. You never know. What were you doing the last time you lost track of time while you're on your exchange? One thing that really helped me lose track of time while I was in Singapore, and if I was ever stressed out with research or questions about the future, was、um, music. And I ended up discovering this yoga studio that had a collection of hang drums, or they're they're called hand pans also. And they're these very magical, mystical drums that you might see at something like Burning Man that really sound beautiful and resonate. They're very ethereal. And I would go into this yoga studio about once a week, and one of the people who worked there, he would give me hang drum lessons. And I haven't seen one in the U.S. But it's kind of this niche community all over the world of hang drum players, and I when I went to Kazakhstan in September, I actually saw a maker selling hang drums in a local market. So they're really cool and mysterious. Describe a first in your life while you were on your exchange. In addition to cat sitting, I also turtle sat <laughs> in a shop house. And shop houses are these really fancy historic homes in Singapore. They're really cool. And it was a shop house that used to be owned by a government official. But I met a family, and they were going out of town, and they asked me to to sit for their turtle, <laughs> so I could come in and feed their turtle. What does success mean to you on your exchange? I think success means not necessarily going in with what you plan to do and accomplishing it, but being able to adapt from whatever you plan to do and come out with something that feels even better or closer to what you wanted. 
before even knowing what it was. And success also means making relationships that last in positive and meaningful ways. What do you miss? Mm. On my exchange, I missed family, of course. Now, what I miss in Singapore are friends I met there and, f- and the freedom I had there to be anyone I wanted to be and do whatever I wanted to do. At least in the beginning, just responsibilities to myself and my research project. Now there's a lot of other things to weigh in and responsibilities, but that's cool too. It's a different kind of experience, but I do really miss that freedom. I felt like a little Fulbright fairy just hopping around doing my project and meeting people, which is really cool and very unique experience. I miss that. Where did I find peace on my exchange? There are a couple of places and kind of peaceful zones I had while I was in Singapore. One was the Botanic Gardens. It's kind of where I went on a lot of friend dates when I was meeting new people in Singapore. And we would meet there in the morning for coffee and walk through. And then another one um, was this outdoor area called the Esplanade that had free concerts in the evenings. So I would make it a routine on Sunday nights to run around the marina, which has lots of bright lights. It's what you saw probably in Crazy Rich Asians, if you saw it, and all the movies and postcards about Singapore. Um, But there's this outdoor theater that they would bring in performers from around the world. So I would go on a run and then stop and listen to the music. What have you witnessed that has strengthened your faith in humanity? In Singapore, I did a lot of work on the periphery uh, with the migrant worker community and just seeing how different Singaporeans and expats and people who had just been living there for various amounts of time wanted to start getting involved with it. I think it's a new thing. Maybe before the government prevented people from getting too involved in those types of humanitarian efforts. But I saw, but there was one woman there who's from some small place in America. I wish I remembered, <laughs> but she's been in Singapore for years and years and she runs this NGO that supports migrant workers tirelessly. So that was really cool to see how someone from abroad had taken this issue on as her own and, and they become like her children. They love her so much. And on Sundays she goes in and they're all playing music and they use the space to, and they're so good. I recorded some recordings on my phone because I was like, this music is amazing. This is what we should be listening to on Spotify. Not the usual pop songs. Describe a perfect day on your exchange. Oh, this is a fun one. I'd say a perfect day in Singapore would be waking up early and going for a swim. Singapore is super hot and humid, but almost every building has a swimming pool. Go to swim, then go in the morning to a hawker center. So every you might have seen this in Crazy Rich Asians, but almost every block or two has these big food centers where you could get all kinds of Pan-Asian food for under $5. And you can pick up some milk tea some noodles, (laughs) any kind of food you would imagine. And then probably do something related to research, either through my computer, checking emails or talking or meeting with my research advisor. And then 
whatever meetings. I was always meeting with different people to do big talk interviews or focus groups, something like that in the late afternoon. And then a cultural activity, whether that was going to a show or an event, concert, and then dinner. There's tons of food in Singapore, so I don't know what the perfect one would be. But there's this one place called Heidi Lau. That was a hot pop place where you could also get your nails done while you're waiting there. It's just ridiculous, ridiculous. <laughs> Something like that. And then I'd probably go back and Skype or FaceTime a friend or family member from home if I could because of the time difference. That'd be a perfect day. What little things in life do you take the time to stop and appreciate while you're on your exchange? Being able to eat such delicious cheap food or have a friend at all times to be able to call by the end. Because in the beginning, I would be calling my family. But by the end, I would be calling my friends in Singapore to talk about experiences. Being able to easily walk down the street and feel safe. Things like that. What could you do today that you couldn't do a year ago? Well, I can, I can live abroad. <laughs> I can create a whole world, move somewhere, find friends, find hobbies, find work, research, which is a really cool skill to have and a big one. So now I know I could, I could do this somewhere else. And I would probably do it in the exact same way. And I, and I can play the hang drum. <laughs> Just busk. Always been a childhood dream to busk or like draw um, portraits of people on the street. When I was a little kid, I said, that's what I'm going to do when I grow up, Daddy. What is a new habit you want to form or on your exchange? Well, one new habit I want to form in Singapore, I was just so bold. <laughs> Every day I, I kind of made a point to try something new or meet someone new. And, and even if it felt uncomfortable, I kind of had a rule, you know, the first time's going to be uncomfortable. The second time you'll have some common ground. Third time will be great. And it really worked. And that was how I was able to make lots of relationships, connections, try new things. So I would like to get back into that mindset and have it now that I'm um, back in the States, because you just never know what will happen. And it's always a pleasant surprise. How are you making a difference in the world? I'd like to say that introducing to Big, uh, Big Talk to Singapore helped to make a difference in people's perceptions of each other because... As I mentioned, I was doing big talk workshops with Muslim women, Jewish women, expats, locals, migrant workers, students, and connecting them through these very simple universal themes. And actually, through my research over the course of 10 months, we ended up coming down to five questions, five big talk questions that anyone could relate to. And they're just so simple. But this was out of maybe 90 questions or so. And they were, what do you miss? What do you find beautiful? What's the, one of the kindest things someone has ever done for you? What has been your favorite age so far and why? And the last one is, what do you hope for? 
And those were just simple questions, but those are the ones that it came down to after doing workshops with all these different groups and talking to people. These are ones they could relate to across cultures. What is the kindest thing someone has ever done for you? And on my exchange, on my birthday, and this was towards the end of my Fulbright, my roommate invited all my friends who I had met throughout the year, and they did B-Day talk instead of Big Talk. And he hand wrote questions that were like deep questions about Kalina on her birthday that everyone answered. And I just cried. It was so cute. And it was cool to just see all these people I'd met over the year actually have stories to tell about me too. Twenty-two thirty-three is produced by the Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name is Christopher Worst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. Twenty-two thirty-three is named for Title Twenty-two, Chapter Thirty-three of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. This week, Kalina Silverman let us try her very own Big Talk cards on her to help illustrate her experiences as a Fulbright Scholar in Singapore. For more about Fulbright and other ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. We encourage you to subscribe to 2233. You mean you haven't subscribed to 2233 yet? What's wrong with you? And we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Photos of each week's interviewee and complete episode transcripts can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov slash 2233. Kudos to Kalina for creating Big Talk and then helping to show us its utility. Along with Ana Maria Sanitian, I did the interview and edited this segment. Featured music was Saunter by Grace, Bit Drift, Lottie Day, and Window Shopping, all by Poddington Bear. The handpan drum recording was made with Kalina's teacher, Gary. Music at the top of each episode is Sebastian by How the Night Came. The end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagir Lius. Until next time. <laughs>